The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Last week was an awesome time in the presence of God. Right? And God deserves all the praise concerning that. You know, when Pastor was saying that um, we're going to have the concluding part of uh, Help from Above today, I was excited and I was like, wow. Because the last three Sundays has been wonderful, right? It's been, I mean, a different level. So I was excited. Then after services called me, I said, okay, come over, come and see me in church office. So I was, okay, no problem. I went. And we were watching, I was in his office, we were watching the Arsenal-Chelsea match. And he just popped it and said, Kunle, you are taking service next Sunday. I just turned back and said, what? <laughs> I mean, this is a heavy, heavy shoe to step into. But I remembered that there is help from above. So I plugged into that. And by the grace of God, we will have help from above part four today. And if there is anybody still trusting God for help from above, today you will receive it. In the mighty name of Jesus. Praise God. We started, like I said earlier, we started four weeks ago. Uh, on the first part of uh, help from above, we talked about the story of Hannah. Remember? We talked about how Anna was, um, I mean, was barren. She didn't have a child and she was growing old. And um, it was very uncomfortable for her. And uh, she, she, because she decided that she wasn't going to let her situation remain like that. So she, she, she stepped out and engaged God. You know, before she engaged God, she, there was, we talked about some pains that she was feeling. You know, we talked about the four pains of Anna. Right? The first one was the pain of periodic celebration, meaning every, every year when everybody is going to Shiloh for, for, to, 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 go and sac- to go and sacrifice to God, to go and, uh, I mean, thank God for the year. They all go with their families, they go with their children, and every year she has to go alone. So periodically, it was, even though it was a time of thanksgiving to God, but for her it was a periodical time of sadness. Because she always goes with that burden of, I'm alone. I don't have a child. We talked about the pain of Penina. Because Penina was just always right beside her, pinching her and letting her know, beyond reasonable doubt, that she was barren. I mean, we, we, we can all relate to that because there are some people around us. They are lingering around us. They, we can't get rid of them. But all they do, their ministry, is just to remind you of that inadequacy in your life. That is their calling. God will deliver you from all perinas today in the mighty name of Jesus. We talk about the pain of the portion of choice. The pain of the portion of choice. You know, for her, every time she goes... To, 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 to when they are going to Shiloh, her husband will give her the best choice of the sacrifice. Her husband will probably make sure she buy, he buys her the best clothes to wear. Her husband will make sure she, she rides the best donkey or the best car. If, if, you know? Her husband will give her the best of everything. Why? Because the husband recognized that even there was a problem in her life. And he was now going an extra effort. Going an extra effort to satisfy, to satisfy her, to make her not to think about it. But the truth is that those extra efforts actually make her remember that she was barren. Pain of the portion of choice. We talked about the pain of fulfillment. Her husband says, why are you crying? Am I not better than ten sons? In short, he was telling her that you should know. I mean, Anna would have been saying that. Are you saying I don't know the difference between a son and a husband? The pain of fulfillment. And she carried all these pains. 
And these pains in her heart triggered a reaction. And she turned to God and she prayed. Then we learned from her prayer also that she was very fervent in her prayer. And personally, I was very excited. You know, the, 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 the third week of the God Do Again service, when we had the vigils, you know, I was personally excited because each time I come into, in for the vigils at night, I see people that I ordinarily would not see at vigils. This particular vigils was something else. If you are not here, hmm, God will not, I pray that you would not have to wait for the next God to do again service for God to do what he wants to do in your life. People prayed fervently. Just like Anna prayed. People prayed. People that you would, I mean, you, you, maybe you see them in church on Sunday and you're like, mm, this person is neither here or there. I saw them, they popped up at the vigils and they came every day. Praise the Lord. Just like Anna prayed fervently. Then again, when she prayed, she prayed and attached a vow to her prayer. She connected with God with a vow, not just anyhow vow. Because she, she studied God, she knew what God wanted. She knew at that time that God was looking for a prophet. And she was looking for a son. She did the maths and said, my son can be this prophet. She said, so she said God, give me a son and I'll give you back a prophet. Praise the Lord. A lot of us may be praying right now, but you're making vows. It's fine. But what are those vows? Are they really connecting to the heart of God? Are they connecting to God? You know, some people come at times and say, I, I, I told God that if God did this, I would come and kneel down before the congregation. That's their vow. It's fine. God accepts it. It's fine. But the question is, how does that affect God? What impact? Should you not even be kneeling in the first place? Is that a vow? It's like my son goes to school and I say, if you come back and you, you are the first in your class, I will give you lunch. Is that a vow? Hallelujah. So what are you vowing to God? What's your vow? Are you connecting to God? Then we talked about Anna's attitude. Some people may be, may, 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 may be trusting God for something and their attitude towards God suddenly begins to change if there's a delay. Anna wasn't like that. We read, Anna never missed Shiloh every year. Anna continued to trust in God. Reflect, attitude towards God remained positive. And when she was praying, we talked about her, Anna's response. When Eli approached her and said, okay, don't worry, what you are praying for, God will sort you out by this time next year, you come with a child. And all she said, she, was, she just said, thank you. And she stood up immediately and went to have her food and moved on. Because she believed God. She believed God. God has said, for instance, last week, help is yours. Do you believe God? Are you going to have the same response like Anna? Praise the Lord. Then the second week, we talked about the story of Joash. Joash was the king at that time. And he was, I mean, he came to meet Eli, Elisha. Elisha was dying on a sick bed and shouted, my father, my father, the chariots and their charioters of Israel. I see them. Just like Elisha also did the same with Elijah. And Elijah said, okay, come. He laid his hands on his hands. Pulled an arrow. Shot it. He said, that is the arrow of victory. Then he said, take another arrow and strike the ground. And the guy striked it three times and stopped. You know the rest of the story. Eli said, oh, you made a bad mistake. Because of this, you are going to defeat Aram only three times. You should have gone like five or six times. And we learned that the reason for this was because Joash was lazy. He was lazy physically. He was lazy spiritually. Because he could also not connect with the vision that was being presented before him. You have someone like Elisha, a man of God. You are right beside him at his sick bed. You should be hungry for, to collect everything 
that he can collect from him. Because after all, he's not going to use it again. Because Eli could not collect it, Elisha died with it. The anointing stayed with him in his burial ground for years after. Read the story in the Bible where years after where some, uh, some Moabites came to raid Israel and there were some people going uh, to, to bury someone. And when they saw the people raiding, they threw the dead body into Elisha's um, tomb or whatever, where he was buried. And the dead body rose up. Because Joash had the opportunity to take all of that, but he couldn't. So Elisha had to die with it. Praise God. We learned that there is nothing like being lazy. Laziness, as defined by pastor, which was a revelation to me. And it has really helped me, even from that second week of the video. He said, laziness is when you are resting, when you are not tired. For me, it, I mean, you know, simple, simple explanations makes a lot of sense. For me, when I, when I heard that, I was like, wow. So anytime I'm on my bed right now, I ask myself, am I tired? If I'm not tired, I stand up. <laughs> yes. When I'm in the office or something and I lean back, and in my mind, I, say, I tell myself it's time to rest, you know, because, you know, you chill. You know. And I ask myself, am I tired? I just think, oh, yeah, walk. Because I don't want to be like Joash. I don't want to lose out on what God has destined me to do. Praise the Lord. When we learned also that when um, Elisha put his hands in the hands of Joash to, 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 when he wanted to pull the arrow, that depicted God putting his hands on us. And, you know, on Sunday, when we were being anointed, our hands were anointed also, which represented God anointing our hands God putting his own hands in our hands. We learned that the person that is holding the arrow determines what? The range, it determines the timing, and it determines what? The accuracy of the shots. There's nothing like when you aim, you shoot, and you reach your target. I pray that all of us, from now onwards, we will shoot with range. We will shoot with perfect timing. And we will shoot with perfect accuracy. In the mighty name of Jesus. Last week, we talked about Ezekiah. God spoke through the greatest prophet in the land concerning Ezekiah. God said he was going to die. We learned that the highest statement on the face of the earth is what? Thus says the Lord. Once God says, once God says, once you hear, thus says the Lord, that is final. But Ezekiah did something exceptional. He heard, thus says the Lord, but he said, my own case will be different because this thus says the Lord is not in my favor. And he turned to the wall. We heard that he cried for mercy and he cried for help. And what did God do? immediately instantly God sent Isaiah and said go back go back go back go back that guy has moved heaven go and tell him that I'm gonna have 15 years extra to his life I pray that every word contrary to your destiny or contrary to what God wants to do in your life will be reversed immediately in the mighty name of Jesus we have the power to, 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 to walk with God, to, to design what, what we want in our lives. And we have learned also that as, just as God honored the request of Ezekiah, God will honor our own request also in the mighty name of Jesus. So for the last three weeks, we've learned all of this. And it culminated finally on Sunday at the God Do Again service. Because help was sent from above. For some people that, I mean, in, in this place, you know, uh, their help did not even come on Sunday. It came before Sunday. We had the testimony today, uh, I mean, the one that uh, my wife read. 
before the first week of the that's what he said right the first week of the fast he got what he asked god for last week sunday there was a lady that said okay during the praise chain that uh, she, was the praise chain or the videos i can't remember she said she sat at the back there she had a lump and by the time we were done the lump was gone so these people did not even have to wait till sunday for god to do what he was going to do for some people their help came on Sunday through the word of God from the altar. There was, I mean, there, there were different prophecies. You know, we talked about generational causes and, and, and uh, generational causes linger because gener generational errors continue. For some people, that's a breakthrough. You know, when you know these things, it's the beginning of your deliverance. Praise the Lord. There were so many words that was released on that day. The service was packed. If you are not here last week, Sunday, please just make sure you get the CD or you go to iTunes and download the message because the word of God is alive. And that which happened can still happen at any time when you listen to it. For some category of people, their help is still coming. For these people, God is saying, don't be discouraged. Calm down. He says, I'm still your help. And it's as if God is whispering to you and saying, look, yours is a special gift. A special gift takes a little longer to prepare. So calm down. Calm down. Help is coming from above. Because you are a special child, so you get a special gift. So let's go back to the story of Ezekiah, which is the crux of what we're going to be talking about today. I'll read it again, 2 Kings 20, verse 1 to 7. I'll read the KJV version. 2 Kings 20, 1 to 7. It says, in those days, in those days was Ezekiah sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Ezekiah wept sore. And it came to pass, afore Isaiah was gone out into the middle court, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Turn again and tell Ezekiah, the captain of my people, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer. The Lord will hear your prayer in the name of Jesus. He says, I have seen thy tears. The Lord will see your tears in the mighty name of Jesus. Behold, I will heal thee. On the third day, thou shalt go up into the house of the Lord, and I will add unto thy days fifteen years, and I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. And Isaiah said, Take a lump of figs. And they took it and laid it on the boil, and he recovered. Praise the Lord. This is a beautiful story. Right? God said he was going to die. He challenged God. He sought for help from above. He moved heaven. He shook heaven with his prayer. And God reversed that. I said, okay, don't, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I'm going to add 15 years to your life. The question today is, after God sends help like he did for Ezekiah, what next? Turn to your neighbor. Say, what next? Say, what next? After God sends you help, what next? Maybe you have a sickness, you have a disease, something you've been struggling with, and God has now delivered you. What next? You've been trusting God for the fruit of the womb. Finally, you've missed your period. What next? You've been trusting God for a breakthrough in your career or in your business. And God has done that instantly. What next? 
generational causes have been broken. You felt it. You know. You already seen the signs. What next? The promotion that you have been trusting God for, chasing for months or even years, now it's been delivered to you. What next? What next? You've been trusting God for this bone of your bone. You want to get married. God has brought that fine bubble now, or that fine babe. What next? Am I speaking to someone in the choir? What next? What next? Let's read the same scriptures again. Second Kings, we continue from 12 to 21 now. Let's see what Ezekiah did with that 15 years. Second Kings 20, 12 to 21. We're reading the MSG version now. MSG version. Second Kings 20, 12 to 21. Are we there? Okay, we'll meet us. Second Kings 20, 12 to 21 says, Shortly after this, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, the king of Babylon, having heard that the king was sick, sent a get-well card and a gift to Ezekiah. Ezekiah was pleased and showed the messengers around the place. Silver, gold, spices, aromatic oils, a stockpile of weapons, a guided tour of all his prized possessions. There wasn't a thing in his palace or kingdom that Ezekiah didn't show them. And then Isaiah, the prophet, showed up. And just what were these men doing here? Where did they come from and why? Ezekiah said, they come from far away from Babylon. And what did they see in your palace? Everything, said Ezekiah. There isn't anything I didn't show them. I gave them the grand tour. Then Ezekiah spoke to Ezekiah. Listen to what God has to say about this. Another does says the Lord, right? Listen to what God has to say about this. The day is coming when everything you own and everything your ancestors have passed down to you, right down to the last cup and saucer, will be cleaned out of air, plundered and packed off to Babylon. God's word. Worse yet, your sons, the progeny of sons you've begotten, will end up as eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. See what Ezekiah said, verse 19. Ezekiah said to Isaiah, if God says it, it must be good. I don't know about you, when I was reading this, as I got air, I said, eh? I mean, I, I, that was my response. I, I was alone. But that was my, I said, eh? You know, I, I know, I've known this story before, but I didn't know that was his response. I thought he even was like crying, oh my show, I've made a mistake. He said, if God says it, it must be good. But he was thinking to himself, it won't happen during my lifetime. I'll enjoy peace and security as long as I live. The rest of the lives and times of Ezekiah, along with his projects, especially the way he engineered the upper pool and brought water into the city, are written in the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah. And Ezekiah died and was buried with his ancestors, and his son Manasseh became the next king. Praise the Lord. Here was Ezekiah. Prepare your house. You are going to die. And prophet left. Immediately, he turned to the wall and cried to God. And God turned that around. Now, the same God came again and said, you've made a mistake. This is what's going to happen. The entire house that you have built, everything, your children, they are going to turn to eunuchs. You know what eunuchs are? Men that have been castrated, that cannot, um, they can't have children again. So anybody that is, uh, uh, that is children are, are eunuchs or castrated in short what that means is that the name of that family is cut off done done gone and all he had to say it if god says it then it must be good when god said he was going to die 
Did not God, God not say it? Why wasn't it good then? Praise the Lord. He lived his life to a particular point where God felt it was time to take it. But it caused God to change his mind. And he refused to take charge of that again. We're going to look at some of the mistakes that Ezekiah made. Which made him, I mean, put him in this, in, the, in this position that he found himself. And the mistake number one, the mistake number one that he was doing, that he, that he made was, he was obnobbing with Babylon. He was obnobbing with Babylon. Verse 12 and 13. Verse 12 and 13. I'll read it again. It says, shortly after this, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, having heard that the king was sick, sent a get well card and a gift to Ezekiah. Ezekiah was pleased and showed the messengers around the place. Silver, gold, spices, aromatic oils, a stockpile of weapons, a guided tour of all his prized possessions. There wasn't a thing in his palace or kingdom that Ezekiah didn't show them. Obnobbing with Babylon. Obnobbing with Babylon. What does Babylon represent? What does Babylon represent? There's a perfect description of Babylon in Revelations 17, chapter, Revelations chapter 17, verses 1 to 6. Revelation 17, verses 1 to 6. It says, And there came one of the seven angels, which are the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come either. I will show unto thee, KJV version, come either, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great oar that seated upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her head, upon her forehead, was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Hallelujah. Babylon represents every kind of evil that you can possibly think. And this was the people that Ezekiah was obnobbing with, was mingling with. Help has come from above. God has moved you from where you are to where you, he wants you to be. He has moved you ahead. Mixing with Babylon is not an option at this point. Ezekiah moved. He received help from above. He gained extra years. The Bible says shortly after this, Merodach Baladan. Let me tell you another interesting thing. The person that came from Babylon, the Bible says he is the son of the king of Babylon. Let me break that down. Babylon represents evil. Evil represents Satan. So, in short, the son of Babylon is the son of Satan. So, Satan himself may not come in his full regalia to attack you. But what will he do? He will send you little, little demons. Little, little demons. And they will come. Looking as if, with good intentions, as if everything is okay. As if everything is normal. What are these little, little demons that we're talking about? It could be in form of little lies here and there. Oh, in today's world, we call it wisdom, applying wisdom. Little lies here and there. We call it applying wisdom. They come with good gifts, because that's what they did there. They said they had... He was sick and they brought gifts for the sick person. If they really, really cared for him, why didn't they bring things to heal him, to help him? But what did they, they brought gifts to make him soft, to make him soft, 
You know, the gifts, I mean, when you put gifts before you, it makes your path easier. Praise the Lord. Those little demons could be in the form of little, little flirting here and there. Flirting here and there with the people you are not supposed to be flirting with. Because now, you have suddenly got a promotion. Now, you are a bigger guy in the office. So everybody is now rankadating you and respecting you. So now, if you see someone that is your subordinate and you put your hand on her shoulder or you put your hand on your waist, she can't complain again because it's the ogre. Praise the Lord. What are those little demons here and there that is surrounding you? Ezekiah was mixing with the wrong crowd. I've seen a lot of people you know, they tell you that they, they're trusting God for a breakthrough. And when you investigate further, if you see the reason why they're actually asking God for that breakthrough, you, don't, you can't blame God if he doesn't answer them. Because their intent is wrong. Oh, Lord, I want to hammer so that they will know that I have arrived. I want to show them that I have arrived. Who? Who should your desire be after? You, 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 all you should be bothered about is how you please God. Because trust me, as soon as you show those people that you have arrived, you suddenly realize that some people still think you have not arrived. And you continue chasing. Ezekiah was a king already. For him to, 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 be, to, to say that, he, he, I mean, come. Come and see everything in my house. Come and see everything that I own. It's obvious be, be, uh, that he was trying to be like them. He was trying to prove a point that I am now in the same league with you. But God is saying, no, 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 no. I don't need you in that kind of league. Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay, stay with me. You don't need to prove a point to anybody. You don't need to prove a point to anybody. Praise the Lord. Just stay with God. Stay with God. Stay with God. Second reason, what mistake that, uh, that, that, that I believe um, Ezekiah made was that all of a sudden, everything became about him. You know, me, myself, and I. Me, myself, and I. Verse 15, he said, what did they see? I mean, Isaiah asked, what did they see in your palace? Isaiah asked. He said, they saw everything. Ezekiah replied, I showed them everything I own all my royal treasures. It was now all about him, not all about God anymore. Oh, finally you got that promotion. Oh, now it's because you know how to do your job very well. You hammer, you finally got that breakthrough. Your business has moved to a different level. Oh, it's because you are wise. It's because you really, really understand this business. God lifted Ezekiah. God set him up and all of a sudden it became about him and there was no record of him even honoring or referring to God in all his discussions with those people. Now, don't get me wrong. The truth is that when God takes you to where he wants to take you, levels will change. Levels will change, without a doubt. But when levels change, you must be wise enough to know when you see Babylons, how close you can, you, you must be wise enough to know how close you will let them get to you so that you can tell them about Jesus. And if they don't want to listen, get rid of them. You must be in a position where you are the ones controlling your environment, not the other way around. God has given you power. He has given you the ability to be able to influence your environment. Ezekiah had the opportunity, but he did not take advantage of it. 
He did not take advantage of it. He had a good relationship with God as a person. But I'm, I, I mean, I, I, I tried and I read this uh, chapter. I read everything about uh, Ezekiah right from 2 Kings 17, 18, 19, all the way to 20. I did not see where Ezekiah, where it was mentioned about him, that he taught the nation about God. Yes, he took out Nehushtan. But what he simply did, from my understanding, what he simply did was that he took out the idols that they were worshipping, but did not replace those idols with God in their lives. Because how do you explain the fact that immediately he died? The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 1, chapter 21, verse 1, he said that his son Manasseh became king at the age of 12. And the first thing that the boy did was to restore all those idols that Ezekiah took out. So basically, Ezekiah was all about himself and himself alone. God was blessing him. God was expanding. God was, was having a relationship with him. But he did not spread it out. He did not impact his people. He did not impact the people around him. It was all about him. God is saying, no, 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 no. no. The reason why I am releasing this blessing to you, the reason why I am anointing you, the reason why I am giving you this promotion is so that you can spread it around. It's not for you alone. Spread it around. Spread it around. Make a difference in your life. Make a difference in your environment. Even if he did not teach Israel, at least he should have taught his household. His son Manasseh became king and the first thing was to restore all the idols that he took out. The question now is, so what has he achieved? If we're doing anything that we think we're doing well, that cannot outlive us, then we're not doing anything at all. If we're doing anything that we think we're doing well right now, and that thing cannot outlive us, meaning that when you leave that position or you leave that area and people don't continue doing that thing that you say you are doing, then you're not doing a good job. Praise the Lord. Ezekiah was all about himself. So what really, you know, praise the Lord, what really should Ezekiah be doing? What really should he be doing? He shouldn't be, I mean, when he talks about himself and himself alone, I, I see that, I see that very, very uh, prevalent in this nation, Nigeria, especially amongst our politicians. We say they are corrupt, they are corrupt. And when you see the way they are corrupt, you know that they're just like Ezekiah. It's all about them. It's all about them. They want to buy a house in every city. They want to, they want to be able to have tons of money in the bank, the bank accounts. None of them, I have not seen one, none of them are in a position where they are saying that, look, I want my children to be able to take over this thing I'm doing, that I'm doing well. We shouldn't be like that. We shouldn't be like that. And God will help us. We will not be like that in Jesus' name. God has sent us help, and he's still sending us more help. So what next? What should we be doing? We've talked about what the mistakes he made. So what should we be doing? Number one, we should continually give thanks. We should continually give thanks. You know, I, I'm noticing a trend. Um, maybe I'm the only one who, you know, but I'll say it as I, as I see it. I'm noticing a trend in our generation today. You know, wh when we were growing up, the, our, our parents taught us. It says, Omotoba no, Ari Migba, right? What that means is that, uh, for those that don't speak Yoruba, it means that the child that's, that thinks that give thanks for what was done to him yesterday will 
will have the opportunity of getting another today. Yesterday, today. Now, all of us that have parents, that have children, when you do things for your children, they say thank you, right? How many of them still say thank you the next day? Hands up. Your child, anytime you do anything for him, he says thank you for that same thing the day after. What's wrong? With God, it is like that also. You know, a, 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 a lot of us, we, we say, last week Sunday, for instance, after the service, we say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Maybe we got home, we say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Today, in the morning, when I started service, I said, thank you, Jesus. I looked at a lot of people, they were not even praying. God wants us to continually thank him. Continually. Continually. Thank him and thank him and thank him and thank him. We learned during the vigil. It's not like as if God needs our thanks or our praise. Uh, it's not like he needs it to survive. But he just likes it. And if that's what he likes, you, can, you can't do anything about it. You have a wife. She likes shoes. And you keep going out to buy her blouse. And you say, but I keep spending money on you. And she says, but I don't like blouses. I just like shoes. So you give her what? Shoes. God says he likes thanks, he likes praise. So you do what? You give him thanks, you give him praise. Continuously. Non-stop. And watch him move. Watch him move. Watch him move. Give thanks. Give thanks continuously. We can't thank him enough. We can never. What he did here last week, Sunday, is mind-boggling. For me, I, I, when, I, when I was going home, it was like I see all the airs on my... I had goose pimples, you know. Awesome move. Awesome move. I pray the Lord Almighty will give us a genuine heart of thanksgiving in the mighty name of Jesus. Second thing that we should do. Testify. Testify. Ezekiah had the opportunity. The little demons came. He should have said, little demon, hold your gift. Come and see my Lord. Come and see what he has done. Little demon, hold your gifts. Come and see what my God has done. Come and see what he has done for me in this nation. Come and see. The, yes, come and see. Yes, you want to see it, right? Come and see how powerful my God is. That's what he should have done. But no, 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 no. What he did instead was come and see what I have acquired. What is God doing for you? You need to come out and testify. We made it easy for you now. If you are shy or embarrassed, do a video recording. Just come to church office. Do the recording. Come back and testify. It will, it will not only make God happy, but it will also encourage someone out there that is probably in the same shoes that you wear that God has delivered you from. Come out and testify. It is absolutely important. The Bible says in Revelation 12, 11, it says, and they have overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. That testimony is what guarantees your victory. It is, it is like, uh, it, it, it's like putting the icing on the cake. It guarantees your victory. Don't take it kindly. Don't think, oh, people just come out and show off. No! It's a very spiritual activity that they are doing. In case you don't know. Very, very spiritual. For you, for God, for the people that are listening to you. When we finish testifying, we prophesy. God that has done this for me. We will make it permanent. That seals it off. And we'll do the same. For the, is that how we prophesy here? Praise the Lord. It's absolutely important. And it guarantees victory for us. The third thing, the third thing 
that we do, that we need to do now that God has sent help. Number one, we need to give thanks. Number two, we need to testify. The third thing that we need to do is we need to intensify our prayers. Hallelujah. This is not the time to remove your foot off the pedal. This is not the time to remove your foot off the pedal. We need to intensify our prayers. Keep your feet on the gas. God is accelerating you. Don't remove your leg from the pedal. Ezekiah, he knew how to turn to God and pray. He knew how to shake heaven with his prayer. When the second prophecy came, what did he do? I beg, I'm tired. No, 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 no. This is not the time to get tired. This is not the time to get lazy. Oh, if it is God that has said it, then it must be good. No, 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 no. This is the time to put your foot down on the accelerator and fire on. Fire on so that your help will continuously come. You know why you have to do that? If you were on this level before, God has come, he has moved you up and has helped you to this level. To maintain at this level, you need to keep the accelerator at the same level. Let's assume you are at 50 kilometer power. God has moved you to 70 kilometer power. To stay there, you have to continue at 70. But what I'm saying is that there is even a higher level still. So for God to move you to 90, what you need to do is to press the accelerator further. And keep pressing and pressing and pressing. Because with God, there's no limits. With God, there's no limits. There's no ceiling. There's no cap. There's no cap. It's 100% your call how far you want to go with God. 100%. God is ready to do far above your wildest dreams. Far above your wildest dreams. Intensify your prayer at this point. And finally, what should we be doing? The first one is we should do what? We should do what? We should give thanks. Second thing, we should do what? Testify. Third thing, we should do what? And fourth thing, we should do what? Don't get satisfied. Don't get satisfied. Don't your neighbor say, don't get satisfied. Don't get comfortable. Don't get comfortable with where you are now. Oh, yes, it, you, you've moved from where you used to be. You are now where you are. But don't get comfortable because there's still more space ahead of you. There's still more space ahead of you. You know, a couple of years ago, I had a friend, um, this was like nine, ten years ago, you know, uh, and she, she was working in, um, in a car dealer, dealership stuff, um, and um, she was trusting God for a breakthrough. I think at that time, her salary was like maybe 40 or 50K or something. I can't remember exactly how much, you know. And she was trusting God for a breakthrough. So I asked her, I said, so if God were to even give you like a breakthrough right now, like how much would you be expecting from God? At that time, she said, ah, <laughs> I know God can't do it. But if God was to give me like a 100K right now, and in my mind, I was like, just a 100K? I mean, we were compatriots. She didn't know how much I was earning. But at that time, I was even any more than that. I was like, ah, God, I need to thank you more for this, my own hundred kill. <laughs> you know, praise the Lord. Some people are like that. You know, we, 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 we have a, 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 and I call it that, a short-circuited vision. We limit God. We, 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 we say, ah, this is how far God, ah, ah, look at me, I'm, look at my background. There's nobody in my family that has ever earned 100K. If I earn 100K, I'm the king. They will make me the ballet. 
But God is saying, no, 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 no. I don't even want you to be the ballet. I want you to go beyond the ballet. What stops you from being the governor? What stops you from being the president? Don't get satisfied. Ezekiah got satisfied with what he had. He got satisfied. Because when you get satisfied, usually selfishness is not very far from it. And that's what was wrong with him. He became selfish. Selfish to the point that he didn't even care about his children, about his children's future. He said his children will be taken away as slaves, as eunuchs. In his mind, he said, ah, me, I'm good, though. Shebi is not happening in my own time. Ah, may that not be your own story. In the mighty name of Jesus. And what that tells me also is that it is, <laughs> some of us are here, we're sitting down here, we're trusting in our parents' wealth. We're trusting so much in our parents' plans for us. May your parents not be like Ezekiah. Because they would have sold your future without you knowing. If there's anyone that has done that, today God will restore you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Don't get satisfied with God. Don't get satisfied with God. There may be someone here. I don't know. All heads bow down. There may be someone here that you've heard all that we have said now. And you are saying, ah, what you have been doing for me, God, is really awesome. And I want to begin to just thank you. Maybe if you are here, you haven't appreciated God enough for what he has done. You haven't appreciated him enough. It's time for you to just open your mouth for the next couple of seconds. Just open your mouth and just thank him. Just thank him and repent and thank him for his goodness, for all he has done in your life. Just appreciate him and appreciate him and thank him and thank him and thank him and thank him. And maybe there's someone else here. You don't even have a relationship with this God. You don't even know this God that we're talking about. But you've heard what he can do and you've heard what he wants to do in your life. You want to give your life to Christ right now, wherever it is you are, just raise up your hand, wherever. And we'll receive a card, you'll receive a card, and God will begin to move in your life. You want to give your life to Christ right now, just raise up your hand, wherever you are, and accept the card from the ushers. God bless you, my sister. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else want to raise up your hand? You want, you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Lord and Savior. Is that guy raising up his hand? Is he raising up his hand there? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you. God bless you. You want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've heard. You can feel. You know what he can do. This is your time. And don't get embarrassed. Just raise up your hand. Receive the card. And the ushers will meet with you at the end of the service. Lord Almighty, we just say thank you. We honor you. We adore you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word that you have spoken to us. We are grateful. Accept our thanks in Jesus' mighty name.